Hey, podcast listeners, if you didn't catch our big news from last week, You're Saying It Wrong is now both a podcast and an actual on-the-airwaves radio show. We're making the show available to all public and community radio stations through the PRX platform, so anyone who's interested can find us there, or you can always email me at powell at kmuw.org. And if you want to hear us in your area, get a hold of your local public radio or community radio station. Also, our podcast will now be coming out weekly on Saturdays, and when you hear today's, you'll notice a few little changes. We have some revamped theme music by the wonderful Torin Anderson. Our intro is a little different, and things might just be a tiny bit more structured than you're used to. Not much, but a tiny bit. We're really excited about all of this, and we hope you are too. And now, on with the show! From KMUW Wichita, from Toronto, Ontario, and from Armia, Spain, this is You're Saying It Wrong. Let's talk words. Let's talk tricky pronunciations, language controversies, grammar pet peeves, and everything else we love about this bizarre language we call English. I'm Fletcher Powell, producer and host at KMUW in Wichita, Kansas, and joining me as they do every week are the authors of a slew of books about the English language, Kathy Petrus and Ross Petrus. Kathy, coming to us from your home in Armia, Spain. How are you today, Kathy? I'm just grand. I'm ducky, as they say. Pato, which is duck here. That's nice. <laughs> do you say pato when you're doing just fine there? I do, but no one else does. <laughs> and everyone looks at you. What is going on with you, Kathy? <laughs> I think I'm a little odd, but you know, what can I say? <laughs> Ross Petrus from your home in Toronto. How's it going, Ross? It's going really well, and I just got done shoveling snow, so it's, got, <laughs> oh, it's yes. going really, really well. Yeah. <laughs> actually, I mean, the weirdest thing is, I really hate to say it, but I actually, no one ever believes it, but I actually enjoy shoveling. Because if it's not too much snow, it's sort of like a free way to exercise. I get the exercise done. I don't have to go on the bike or anything like that. I do the shoveling, and it's done, and I've done something, and I've exercised. So it's great. We've been having wine on the terrazzo, Ross, so I'm sorry. I'm for my way. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Today we are diving into doublespeak, the weird, wild world of duplication in English. But first, you had a little something that we wanted to talk about. Yeah, this was the uh, the word uh, words chosen by the American Dialect Society, words of the year. Oh yeah, Kath, do you want to explain them a little bit? We're calling it like yet another entry into the twenty twenty three word of the year stakes, but this is very different from all those other ones that we did, which was like Riz, as I recall, which I still don't quite understand, Swifty, etc. This was chosen by the American Dialect Society. Mm -hmm. um, they get together, and um, these are all word people. And they choose, and it gets kind of heated, I think, from what we read. And it sounds like a lot of fun. They choose a word that they think is should be the word of the year. Um, and it's not what you'd expect. Ross, you want to explain this one? Sure. This year they chose, I mean, we'll, we'll rush into it. This year they chose the word identification as the word of the year for 2023. It was chosen by Cory Doctorow. And it's describes the I think it was a perfectly apropos word the gradual worsening in the quality of service on digital platforms and I have to say having been online we're all online a lot I've seen it happen right and since this is uh, for family ears you probably heard that word beeped out uh, when when Ross said it there uh, and again there you heard it beeped out 
Uh, but it is probably what you might expect, something getting, as Ross said, worse and worse as it goes Online's. on. Online, yes. Yeah, Digital as it platforms. goes on. And so, yeah, I'm guessing you can probably figure out what part of that word got beeped out there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, it, it's, more, it's more than it just getting worse and worse, isn't it? There's sort of a process behind it. Here's what uh, Cory Doctorow said. Here is how platforms die. First, they're good to their users. Then they abuse their users to make things better for their business customers. Finally, they abuse those business customers to claw back all the value for themselves. Then they die. Wow. That's perfect. That is just perfect. <laughs> that is perfect. That's a word that I think should should live on, <laughs> especially because <laughs> we see it happening over and over and over again. So I'm like, off for go, Corey. But now let's go on to the show. <laughs> English has a lot of variations on doubling. Doubling word sounds or entire words. And interestingly enough, a lot of languages have it. It's called Linguistically, it's called reduplication, which is redundant because it's just duplication. <laughs> I was wondering. <laughs> yeah, they call it reduplication. I, I, we keep looking for why do they call it reduplication instead of duplication. We cannot figure out why. But the point really is that uh, either sounds or like bric-a-brac, chit-chat, sounds or entire words are repeated or kind of repeated with like an internal slight change. A lot of languages use reduplication. And a lot of languages use it what's called with what's called productively. In other words, it is definitely part of grammar. In English, reduplication tends to be a little more casual. It tends not to be used as much in formal speech. You know, like sort of more colloquial and fun. I think we should cut to the chase and make Fletcher try something. Okay. Okay. Okay, Fletcher. Here's a few words. We're going to give you a quick list. Mm -hmm. And we're going to see if you can figure out what's going on. Okay? Okay. Chit-chat. Crisscross. Dilly-dally. Fiddle-faddle. Jibber-jabber. Kitty-cat. <laughs> Mishmash. <laughs> Ping-pong. <laughs> Zigzag. We're going to end with a Z. Okay. I think that's enough. I think what's going on is somehow you recorded my two-year-old talking. <laughs> 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 yeah. No, um, all of those seem to have basically all of the same sounds except for a vowel in the middle that's making making the word itself sound a little different. Very good, Fletcher. Now, what did you notice about those vowels? I'm just curious here. <laughs> this is a tricky question. Hmm. We'll give you three in a row right now. Ping pong, pitter-patter, riff-raff. Ping pong, pitter-patter, riff-raff. The only thing I guess I'm noticing is that the first vowel, the vowel in the first word each time is an I, and it's that short I, that I sound. Yep. Ooh. You got it, Fletcher. <laughs> what we're talking about technically is called ablaut reduplication. And wait, this wait, is when were, vowels change. Were those English words that you just said? <laughs> <laughs> what? You don't talk about this at cocktail parties? Say that again. Ablaut, ablaut reduplication. Ablaut reduplication, yes. Okay. That's what it's called linguistically. And ablaut reduplication is when the uh, internal vowels change. Now, the interesting thing with those internal vowels is you're right. The short precedes the long. And that's, an, that's a rule in English that we just know. I before A and I before O. High vowel before low vowel, wow, technically wow. speaking. Wait, so that happens every time? It happens every time. This is one of those rules that you don't even know you're doing. Yep. 
but you do it with a you don't say zagzig or washy wishy. No. And that sounds wrong immediately, doesn't it? It does. Isn't that cool? That's a rule. And that's like when people talk about like, you know, you English, you know, I don't like rules in English. They they can't help it. They follow it. (laughs) Everyone follows it. That's amazing. Although I think we should all make an effort to start saying washy-wishy to see if we can get it to catch yes. on. Although, you know, it's funny because as kids, we our father was with the embassy, uh, with the American embassy, and we partly grew up in Egypt. And there was a city in Egypt called, and I never understood why I didn't like the name. And it was called Zaga Zig. Oh, instead the of Zig Or the I. Oh, my goodness. The name always sounded weird to me. And I guess because it violated, not in Arabic, but in English, it violated a rule. Interesting. Okay, here's a question. Is there even more of a hierarchy amongst those vowel sounds? Because I'm thinking of if we put three together, something like bing, bang, bong. We would never really say bing, bong, bang, would we? Nope. We wouldn't. No, it's true. No. It's triplication we're getting into oh, now. I'm getting, yes. I'm getting way ahead of us. Okay. <laughs> Fletcher's jumping ahead. You're making yes. me tense. That's a different episode. That's a different episode. I'm getting very washy-wishy about this. <laughs> <laughs> now, the, the other thing that's interesting is with reduplication, like I'm going to go wishy-washy again because that seems to be my favorite word right now, is that the phrase itself means something but the component parts don't. If you take them apart, the wishy and the washy. Do you want me to give, do, does anyone have a clue as to where wishy-washy came from? Wow, no. Laundries? Aha, uh-huh. okay. As Kathy was talking, I did a teeny little bit of research on it. Washy initially meant kind of like as a wash of, uh, of water. It kind of like diluted things, mm-hmm. right? Mm. So... Initially, washy just meant kind of dilute or whatever. Ah, so it's all washy. Yeah. Right. And then someone following our little rule chucked in an I in front of it with wishy-washy, and then it came to mean what we know it means now. Mm-hmm. But initially, it was from washy. That was the initial the initial origin of it. Hmm. And then it backwards, a backwards formation. Washy meant feeble, thin, watery. Then it meant vacillating, and then someone chucked in the wishy part to make it sound fun. And so now it all means wishy-washy. Now it's always wishy-washy. Yes. It's never just washy. Right. No, if I said Fletcher is washy, people would have no idea what we mean. Well, it remind, I, I keep thinking of mawashi in sumo wrestling, which has nothing to do with this at all. So. <laughs> no, it doesn't. <laughs> That's a completely... <laughs> Often what I'm thinking about as well, sumo wrestling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I always like sumo wrestling. Next, we're moving on to rhyming reduplication. These are simple word pairs that rhyme, and these are quasi-duplications, hokey-pokey. We're going to give you 20 seconds. Can you come up with some examples in English? Starting. (laughs) Wow. Let's let's try. Let's go easy. Eight. Can I just uh, use the the shma sound ahead of it, like fancy No, you're not allowed to. No, we're not. We're doing something differently. That doesn't count. Oh, no. Okay, so I can't even use fancy schmancy. No. Oh. No, you cannot. So I have, to, I, have to, I have to use actual words that... Yes. Well, hokey pokey. Oh, boy. Okay. Uh, are you going to set the timer? Here we go. Ready, okay. set, go. Uh... <laughs> Think of... Uh, Fletcher, okay, let's, let's stop the clock. Think of a song... Think of, uh, listen, I mean, you like you like popular media stuff. Think of a song from 1960 
about a bikini. That will give you one if you know that song. Oh, it, 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 I'll, I'll, I'll hum it. Is it, yeah. it oh, yes, yeah, Kathy, please sing. Uh, yeah. It wait, is it itty itty bitty or or maybe itsy bitsy? I can't remember which. It was itty bitty, itty bitty, itty bitty. But go on. Itsy bitsy. Oh, itsy bitsy. Teeny weeny. Uh, I'm thinking. Yes. Yeah. Okay, we got two. We got two. Two. You got two. You got two. I want to say rinky dinky, but I don't think that's right. That's rinky dink usually, isn't it? And I'm, um, yeah. Hoity toity. Good. Mm-hmm. That was quite easy. In fact, it easy was peasy. easy. Lemon squeezy. Yes. Very good. <laughs> You're giving some razzle. Razzle dazzle. See, these are good. Yes. Five. Okay, Fletcher, quickly. Before you had before you had like a cell phone, you used to, and you're in the field, you used a <laughs> walkie-talkie. Walkie-talkie. Oh, walkie-talkie. Oh, yes, of course. <laughs> yes. Fletcher, you did super terrible. No, oh, okay. You, okay. super duper. I was thinking of du- <laughs> yes, yes. You got six. You got six. Uh, That's not shabby. Six, yeah, in about a minute and a half, uh, with some help. <laughs> <laughs> so this actually, I would like to say, was very cutesy wootsy. Oh wow! Which <laughs> cloyingly leads us to baby talk. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, baby talk, which which isn't really actually baby talk, is it? It's just talk that we send to babies. Uh huh. And it's it's actually another form of reduplication that we adults use to be sort of like woo 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 mm-hmm. woo. Mm-hmm. It's a very mild. This is just a like a. I'm sure you do these. I mean, like, what are stuff that you do to your to your daughter? Don't you say any little cutie? Reduplication. That's a good question. I can't think of anything offhand that I do, but I never really did a lot of baby talk when she was pre-verbal. But I know exactly what you mean. Uh, give me some examples. Well, you know, bye-bye, choo-choo, night-night. Bow-wow. A lot of those things I say to adults, so <laughs> maybe it's just how I do <laughs> <laughs> But the key thing I really have to say, though, is it's not necessarily just us doing it. Babies do reduplicated babbling mm-hmm. that's like a way for them to learn language okay. like mama baba gaga all of that is natural they keep repeating syllables as they learn language so really it, it, baby talk reduplication is natural mm-hmm. and it's natural to almost all babies all over the world when they speak and then adults basically the, the thought is that adults mimic that because they hear the baby going Mama, and then they go back with choo-choo and night-night and all of that. Mm, okay. So it's a na- so in effect, we're saying yeah. that reduplication is as natural as it begins. We start speaking by reduplicating. Or I should say duplicating, but whatever. You're going to die on that hill, Ross, are you? Well, we talked, we talked about pet peeves. I hate reduplication. It should be duplication. Whatever. So the really cloying aspect of the baby talk is that we are sort of mirroring what the babies are doing except with our stupid yeah. grown-up brains we are just m- making it kind of sappy and cutesy wootsy yeah. i'm not really even sure i mean to be in defense of baby talk though to some degree it, it, it's natural we're mirroring it and, and in a way i think it's helpful to the baby i would think i'm not a baby anymore but i would think that you know, as a former baby i think you could say this <laughs> yeah. Ross. you do have personal experience <laughs> yeah. i did wonder i did wonder if if it's actually helpful to children. I mean, I would assume certainly the repetition of sounds would be, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I remember reading this is off topic, I'm sorry, but I remember reading somewhere that even doing the higher uh, higher tone mm-hmm. when you speak is yeah. is is helpful cuz I always feel bad cuz I always talk in my own voice, which is not that high. 
I do that with the cats too. When I, my husband's always like, mm -hmm. and I'm always like, hi there, cat. You know, and mm -hmm. I sometimes think that I should not do that. That's all. No, I think it's all helpful to, to letting, you know, to basically helping the child like hear sounds and learn the sounds. And then we, you move on. I mean, you know, like I hope, hopefully after, 10 years or so, choo-choo, you begin to realize it's like actually a train. A I don't know, Ross, because we have a choo-choo yeah. here in town that I use. Yeah. <laughs> so now we're going to move on to Fletcher's apparent favorite reduplication. Yeah, no, reduplication. I know. He's been it's called Schma Reduplication. <laughs> <laughs> now, Fletcher, let's let's hear you give us, some, and I'm sure you will, give us some Schma Reduplications very quickly. So this is now when I finally get to be fancy schmancy. Yeah. Yes. yes, very good. Yes. <laughs> we were before talking about baby schmabies. Nah, come on, let's move on. <laughs> okay, so we know, what's the basic rule, Fletcher, with schma reduplication? Let's be a linguist here. Uh -huh. well, uh, it seems to be replacing the first sound with schma. So, okay. Fancy schmancy. consonants. Right, right, the initial consonants. Consonant. Fancy schmancy, Kathy schmathy. Now, <laughs> when I say it, it sounds mean. So, is it usually pejorative? Usually, it's it's pejorative, or it like it basically. Yeah, it I, is. I, I, I mean, don't it, think it's pejorative. I but think it's, it's more mean. like a meh. You know, it's like a brushing yeah. it off. It's like yeah, yeah. fancy schmancy. Yeah, yeah, it's not nasty. Lunch it's not munch. nasty necessarily. Oh, okay. Yeah. Lunch munch. Yeah. Who cares? Lunch munch. I care as a Which person. Which leads <laughs> us to this intriguing thing now. Okay, I so said lunch schmunch. Let's take breakfast. How would you do breakfast with oh. the schma reduplication? Right, because because it doesn't feel it would be hard to just replace the first consonant sound, the ba. It would be hard to say schmreakfast. So I think I would replace both the b and the r with schmeckfest. Breakfast schmeckfest. That's actually a pretty good. That that tends to be common. There's like a there, it's all over the place though with broom for example. I'll give you do you want to hear the very there was some linguist who actually did it surveyed people so it'd be broom schmoom uh -huh. so now broom schmoom you take out the br that was 39 percent some people just took out the b boom schmoom that was 37 percent other people got out the s h they just did s broom schmoom six percent <laughs> And then 18 percent said, "Forget it, I'm not doing anything. <laughs> I'm out of here." <laughs> yeah. Okay, I want to go back to the now. You said you would say breakfast schmeckfest. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. See, now I would say breakfast schmeckfest. Would you though? Because that was that sounded hard for you to say. It was. It was very hard. Kathy, are you going to have breakfast today? Breakfast schmeckfest. No, yeah, I would say breakfast, breakfast. I can't, I can't even I say, say it. Brunch. I'll have brunch. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah, no, schmeckfest. All right. Do you guys know where this came from? Where did the schma replacement stuff come from? Oh, this is interesting. It it comes from Yiddish, which is oh. you know, which we all know. Mm -hmm. And some people say it came from Yiddish speakers in New York, and then from there it spread. Other people, and this is an interesting linguistic problem, other people say it actually came from Yiddish as spoken in Poland, and they traced back, I forget the word exactly, but they traced back someone saying something about temple, and they had temple schmemple in effect <laughs> way back in like the 1600s. Uh -huh. And then from there it came, the, the, then from them, from then Jewish immigrants to New York, and then, then it went on from there. No one really knows the key is. But what I really liked was, 
when we started looking at this, it's other languages have similar ones, but they do the shma. Like they said, Turkish does M, like you'd say, uh, kitap mitap. A Bulgarian mm-hmm. uses M. So pretty much like a ton of other languages, in effect, do the same thing. It's like, you know, they do the fancy schmancy. They just don't do it with a shma. Yeah. Does it serve the same purpose in those other languages as a sort of dismissal? Kind of. I think I think it's not really a dismissal as much as it's like a, a, a mushy, you know, like a... Like yeah, a, there, when someone said flippantly, it's used flippantly. Okay. A slight deprecation. Uh-huh. Not a big deal, but a slight deprecation. It's kind of like, yeah, 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 right. that too. Yeah. Right, right. That, yeah. yeah, yeah. Fascinating. Okay, this one fascinates me. What do you do with union this way? Union, schmunion? You kind of just stick it at the front. That's what I would you? say. I would say instinctively, schmunion. Schmunion. Union, schmunion. Yeah. Yeah, I can't say schmunion. 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 I don't know. I kind of like schmunion. Yeah, schmunion would work too. I think either way. Schmunion or schmunion. What about witches? Witches? Like witches? Like with a W? Witches, witches, schmitches? Witches, schmitches? Schmitches. Smitches. Yeah, you can't you do smitches. Although, sh- y- smitches. It does sound like you would drop the, the H sound in there, though, doesn't it? Which is smitches instead of which is schmitches. Yeah. Yeah, smitches just, just gets too juicy. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's technical, right? A technical term there? Yeah, right. That's, that's the linguistic term. Uh, like, too juicy. <laughs> I went to school for this. <laughs> now we're going to go into what's called comparative reduplication. Now, that we all know, but this was sort of interesting. This is easy. Comparative reduplication repeats an (laughs) adjective to indicate an object's change over time. So we have, my spaceship went higher and higher. Hmm. We know that. Mm -hmm. And now think about it. Like, What's the difference between my spaceship went higher and my spaceship went higher and higher? We instinctively know that difference. It's another rule that we know. Right. Uh, it, it, it's sort of an intensifier and it, it designates like a continuation of the action, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It also like when you say my spaceship went higher, you instinctively think, then what? When That's you say true. my spaceship went higher and higher, you go, hey, it went really high. Okay, I slightly disagree, Ross. I'm sorry. I'm gonna I'm gonna be the devil's advocate. My spaceship went higher, I don't go then what? You go it went higher. When you go higher and higher, to me, it's just it's the continuation of time. It's what, what Fletcher said. For me, it's the time lapse. It keeps. It's, That's interesting. It's, for me, hmm. I don't get the. I don't get the. Um, I understand what you're saying. That's merely comparative at the beginning, but I don't really yeah. feel that. I feel like okay, I went higher. Then it's higher. Oh, I, and higher. I, insta- you know? I instantly do. Whatever. It doesn't necessarily. Kathy is correct though in stating it doesn't necessarily when you don't have the duplication imply a um, comparative but it often does in how we think of it so it could be either way but i think it's clear when it goes higher and higher we clearly get the idea of high more than that though i'm going to finish ross i'm sorry i'm cutting you off yet one more time no i think more than that it's what fletcher said for me it's the continuation of it it's it's this time span that you really get from that it's not only the, the the height in this case it's the it's doing it. It can definitely be that way. Normally, though, it's it's said it's normally felt to get rid of comparative reduplication to avoid that problem of comparison. But it can be either way, of course. Next, we go into contrast focus reduplication. That's a fun one. Now, can you guess, Fletcher, what contrast focus reduplication is? This, oh, the, these uh, these words are getting tougher and tougher. 
I was just I was just calling back to the comparative reduplication there. <laughs> okay, Fletcher, are you confused? Or are you confused? Confused? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's that's sort of like um, does she like you or does she like like you? Yeah, perfect. Right? Yes, <laughs> that is a perfect Rush example. Back to being thirteen exactly. years old on that one. <laughs> yeah. So what's going on there? Why does that change a meaning? Because uh, it does, obviously. Well, it's what it's doing is it's. I mean, it's you. This is used in a bunch of languages. There are examples in French, etc. It's saying, "Are you hot? Or are you hot? Hot? We're now we're we're intensifying. We're making that like you're not just hot. You're really hot." Mm-hmm. We found one, I thought this was a really good uh, description of it. We had found that it's a highlighting the distinction between a noun's essence and its literal state. So you're contrasting the thing with more of the thing. Does that make sense? Well, it does. Like they, they use the example tuna salad. Is it a tuna salad or is it a salad salad? <laughs> you get that one completely. Yeah. Basically now we're distinguishing between a tuna salad and a regular salad. That's clearly going into an essence in the literal state, I think, right there. Right, because I could go to a restaurant and it would say something like, uh, it, it would give the name of a salad, maybe some some silly name they made up for their salad. And, and tuna is listed as one of the ingredients. And so I asked the server, is this, is this tuna salad or is it salad salad? Exactly. And we instinctively know what that means. It's not formally in English or not formally in a lot of languages, but we know contrastive focus reduplication when we see it. Yeah. Okay, Kath, you want to do multiple, partial? I love this one. It's really just a fancy term, really ultimately for hap-hap-happy. So it's multiple partial reduplication. You're, you're reduplicating a syllable to make it sort of pep-pep-peppy or zip-zip-zippy. Right, like you're revving up into the word. Yeah. And then we get into intensive du- reduplication. This one really interests me. I- I'm curious what you guys think. The unwritten rule with intensive reduplication is it has to be three, not two. You are sick, sick, sick. The prices are going up, up, up. Mm-hmm. Now, a la Kathy earlier, now, do you, if I said you were sick, sick, or prices are going up, up, does that have the same force as a three or not to you all? Not, not nearly. And it also makes me wonder if maybe the meaning is slightly changing, like we talked about a minute ago with with like-like or with salad-salad. Mm-hmm. You're, you're sick-sick. Mm-hmm. Wait, sick-sick? Is that different from sick? But if you tell me that, uh, that I'm sick-sick-sick, yeah. then that, you know, that really gets the idea across. It, it fascinates me, though, that, that, again, we go back to the unspoken rules, because it's true that triad, triad, or triad, as triad, I'm not saying, yes. <laughs> as in triaging, but, like, one of the examples we saw was get out there and win, win, win. Mm-hmm. And, and and you hear that all the time in sports, and I started thinking, like, like you know, I'm picturing Vince Lombardi or somebody going, get out there and win, win. Yeah. It's, it's, it's flat. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, I, I do not feel inspired by that. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not going to go out there and tackle the guy. You know what I mean? I'm going to go sit in the sideline and have some Gatorade. You know? Let them do it. No, it's very odd. The other thing that sort of interests me is is just on a different note completely. You are sick, sick, sick. Doesn't mean you're like not feeling well right. to me. It usually means like you're a sick kind of personality. Doesn't it yeah. to you guys? Yeah, you're a sicko. Yeah, that's weird too in that sense. <laughs> it's true. It's, it's so odd. The thing that gets me though is the fact that we don't know that we're doing this. Why is it yeah. three times? 
No, who wrote that it had to be three times, you know? But we all know, that's the weird thing about language. We all know it. It's a rule and it's an unwritten rule and we all know it and we all abide by it. Yeah, we don't do zigzag zig. It's zigzag. No. Yep. And why is that two and that's three? Because because it is. I know. You know? Exactly. There's something musical about it, definitely. You know, especially with the like the bing bang bong and the zigzag. There's a good rhythm, like it 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 hits our ears really well. Mm-hmm. Kathy and I used to love this poem when we were kids. It was from uh, Homer Price. Sing git gat giddle, got a hole in the middle. Mm-hmm. Kathy? Sing do de do do, there's do you know, there's not there's no nuts, not, no and, nuts you know and you know what. But a lot a of it's also donut. just bad. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but git gat giddle really got to us as kids. I remember that distinctly. Sing holy ho, what was it? Is it git gat giddle? Sing do de do do, holy there's hole, do hole. you know, there's not no nuts. Not no nuts and you know. In a hole donut, there's a nice whole hole. Oh, hole, when you take a big bite, hold the whole hole tight. Hold the tight. whole hole tight. If a great bit bit, little bit bitten or a great bit bitten. Any hole any hole with a hole bit. And it is a holy hole, and it just isn't. You're saying it wrong is part of the NPR network and is produced in the studios of KMUW in Wichita, Kansas, by me, Fletcher Powell. Kathy Petrus records from her home in Armia, Spain. Ross Petrus from his home in Toronto, Ontario, in Canada. Torin Anderson composed our theme music, and our digital team is Beth Golay, Kate Hutchins, and Carly Cooper. If you have a question for Kathy and Ross, you can email me at powell at kmuw.org or email them at kandrpetrus at gmail.com. You can find all of their books pretty much anywhere you get books, and a handful of them are also available on audiobook, read by the authors themselves. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back next week. This new year, LifeKit wants to help you succeed because everyone needs a little help being human. It can seem so overwhelming. You're not alone. Who can I commit to being? If you want to do something, then just do it. Just take that first step. Great advice every week. Listen to LifeKit from NPR.